0: Well, there you have it. Uh, we, we asked for people to send in some, <laughs> some pictures or some videos of how they quarantine, and that's what we ended up with. So we have a, uh, besides the echo there, we have <laughs> a, um, a video of me that was Hope that was doing that, and it was, it was pretty wild. Because that was actually right as all of this began, and she took a picture of me. I I told her that I would have to qualify this, Um, getting supplies for the church. That just happened to be the day that I needed to get cleaning supplies for the church. So I had paper towels, and I had Lysol, and I had all those kinds of things. And so Hope thought that would be funny. So we showed that, uh, but I, I would ask you, uh, would you do that? Would you send to First Baptist at cloudcroft i 'm sorry, First Baptist at tularosa.net. Just go on our website, you can find it. Uh, send us a, a video, a short video, or a, um, a photo of how you quarantine, and we 'll put those up uh, each Sunday as we go. Uh, let me pray for us as we get started this morning. Father, you are amazing. Uh, God, I thank you for the way that you work and move uh, in our midst. Um, Lord, as we, as we embark uh, on this journey this morning with Luke into the life of Jesus, I pray, uh, Lord, that you would give us wisdom and insight. Holy Spirit, do more than give us information. We pray that you would change us from the inside out. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we started this last week uh if you if you missed it you can go on the uh YouTube channel FBC Cloudcroft, and and find it and watch it you can listen to it on our website uh in the sermon section. But we began last week uh in the gospel of Luke and and so I just want to do a short little recap uh, with you uh before we jump into today. So last week uh we talked about some things. Let me just read for you the first four verses uh in Luke. Luke chapter 1 verse 1 says this. Uh, by really giving us a, a few things here so so let 's just kind of review what we what we know about luke here 's what we learn about Luke one, Luke was not one of the twelve disciples. If you missed last week, that might be a surprise for you. Uh, we have Matthew Mark, Luke, and John what we call our gospels, and Matthew and John were twelve were one of the twelve disciples they were they were with Jesus. They were what we would call one of the 12 apostles minus Judas at Matthias. But, but they, they decided, uh, uh, well, we have the two eyewitnesses, but beyond that, what we have is, is two others who decided that, that they would write about this. One of them was Mark, and we, we talked last week. Mark did uh, the Gospel of Peter. He, he wrote, he was Peter's disciple. He wrote that down. Luke actually told us here what, what he was doing. So I'll get to that in just a moment. But Luke was not one of the 12. Uh, we think that that's on. Luke actually was a doctor. Um, we know that Luke was a believer, as he wrote. Uh, Luke traveled with Paul and uh, actually got to, to see a lot of, he, he got to hang out with a lot of the apostles, a lot of the disciples. And then finally, Luke tells us at the end of this that Luke set out to write an orderly account of the life and ministry of Jesus. So, so that's who Luke is. Let, let's, let's just talk about what, what are some things that we would expect from Luke. First, we would expect Luke to be specific. Luke's a doctor. Uh, Luke is, is writing this so that Theophilus, he's the man that Luke is writing to, so that Theophilus could be certain about the things to which he's been taught. So, so we would expect Luke to be very specific in here. Uh, Luke has, has gone through, he's interviewed people, he's gotten all this information from the apostles, from eyewitnesses. So, so we would expect Luke to be very specific because of his reason that he's writing. Second, we would expect Luke, because he's specific, to give a lot of details, but not just details, to give details that can be checked out. So, so Luke is writing, and, and we're going to find what we hit this today. I, I mentioned it last week, but Luke is going to give us some very specific details, names of people, places. He gives very specific times that you can go and you can check all of these things out. And he's doing this because he wants Theophilus to be certain of the things in which he's been taught. Theophilus was not an eyewitness. Theophilus didn't get to see Jesus. He didn't get to witness his ministry. He's, he's hearing all of this that's been handed down just like it has been to you and to me. And so Luke, we can expect Luke to be thorough. He is going to cover a lot of things. In fact, there are some things that we find in the Gospel of Luke that we get much more uh, detailed. He's a lot more thorough than some of the other Gospel writers. Um, so that's what we can expect as we head into now, uh, beginning in, in chapter 1, verse 5. Let me just give you the setting. This is kind of hard for us because if you're not Jewish, uh, we, we weren't there uh, at, at the time. It, it's hard for us to really get a good idea of this. So, so it's been 400 years since the nation of Israel has heard anything from God. 400 years, imagine that. I, 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 how many of you uh, don't like to wait on things? I, I know this kind of runs in, in my family. If you want to drive them crazy, you tell them that you have a surprise for them, and you'll give it to them next week. That, that won't work. So, so 400 years. Now remember that the nation of Israel has been promised by God a Messiah, a Savior who would set them free. So for 400 years, the nation of Israel has been waiting. Hey, guys, you're okay back there. We'll go with it. <laughs> we, we have this funny delay. We'll fix this. Hopefully you guys can't hear it online. 400 years without a word from God. Now, I don't know about you, but I prayed for things for a period of time, and a week seems like a long time for me to have to wait. I can't imagine waiting for a month for God to fulfill a promise to me. Ten years, twenty. None of us will be around long enough to wait a hundred years for God to fulfill his promise to us. For four hundred years, the nation of Israel have been waiting for God to fulfill his promise. And they've got nothing. Four hundred years without a prophet. Four hundred years of silence. So, into this setting, for 400 years, as they have waited, it was into this setting that God spoke. And so, here we are. This is is Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. So, jump in with me uh, into the lives of Zechariah and Elizabeth as God breaks this 400-year silence. Here's what he says. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Hey, guys, guys, we're okay. It's all right. I, I can handle my echo, but we're good. Okay. You, you can't. Just, just leave it alone, and, and we'll do it later. Thank you. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both advanced in years. Now while he was serving as a priest before God when his division was on duty... And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Now, now picture this. I, I don't know how many of you might have been, been through this before. Uh, some of you know we have a, a, an eight-year gap between our two kids. What, what you may not know is we weren't planning on eight years between children. Our, our thought was to wait three, maybe four years, ha- have a good little gap so that they would be a, enough apart that, that we could weather the next storm of, of childhood. So about year three, we started trying to have our second child. And I don't know if you've been through this, but, but when you try for a year and it doesn't happen, two years and it doesn't happen, three years it doesn't happen, four. And so what the, the church that we came from uh, had an, uh, an explosive baby boom. There were, there were people having kids all the time. And so when I read this story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, I, I feel for them. Because they had prayed, we don't know how long, it says that they had gotten advanced in years. They had been praying for a child, they had been waiting for God to answer, and heard nothing. And so here was, here was Zechariah, I'm sure he and Elizabeth had given up, that's what happened uh, with us. Uh, we, we had given up, we were in a process of adopting and and here's where God breaks this 400-year silence and he does it in the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah is a priest. Uh, Zechariah is is doing his his duties in the temple. He is inside and he's going about his business. And I love it. It says there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And and this sounds like British humor here, uh, a little understated. And Zechariah was troubled. Now, I don't know about you, but but if I was doing my thing here in the church, nobody else around, just coming in, doing the things that I do during the week, and, and I look up and there's an angel standing, troubled would be a, a big understatement for me. It says, and fear fell upon him. And the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Now, I, just try to imagine, if you would, Zechariah and Elizabeth have been trying to have a child, and, and, and if you've been through that or if you've walked with someone through that, you know that that's very difficult. And after a while of praying for something and not hearing anything from God, we all tend to say, God, what, why are you not listening? Do you not care? Do you not know the pain and and the suffering that that I'm going through? And I imagine that it was that way with Zechariah and Elizabeth. And God stepped in. God spoke out of the silence. And he said, you will have a child. I've heard your prayers. How comforting is that? I've heard your prayers. You will have a child But then he tells them something that breaks the silence. Not only was the silence broken for Elizabeth and for Zechariah but God tells them something that breaks the silence for all of Israel and really all of the world. This 400 years of silence. God says you will name him John. You will call him John. Now I, I don't know if you know this, we've, we've got about 15 or 20 Johns, it seems like, in our church. And and whenever we're all gathered together, all you have to do is say John, and, and you've got about a 10, 20% chance of getting it right. And so we don't think about names like that. But, but here, here is what you need to know about this name, John. We have our Bible written in Greek, the New Testament's in Greek, but John was Hebrew. And so his name means the grace of the Lord. So so think about that. Not only has the nation of Israel not heard from God in 400 years, Elizabeth and Zechariah have been praying for a child, and God breaks through the silence. God reminds them that he's listening, and God says, now is the time I will answer. And not only will I answer the prayer that Zechariah, you and Elizabeth have prayed, but I'll answer the prayers of all of the nation of Israel. In fact, I'm going to do something for the world and it begins with your son because your son is the grace of God I know that the times are odd for us this is weird it's weird for me to preach to an iPad hearing an echo in the back that we'll fix after this (laughs) Uh, it seems every week we have one technical thing after another, and yet I know that this is all small potatoes compared to what some of you are going through. We're in a time in our world where people, some of them, don't have their jobs. Their pay has been cut, some of them. Some of them, it's unsure. Uh, for, for some, th- there is no certainty of the things ahead. And, and maybe at the beginning of all this, you were like me, and I thought, you know what, a couple of weeks, we can handle this just for a few weeks, and then a few weeks turned into a few more. Um, now it looks like it'll be longer than that. And, and, and maybe, maybe in the midst of the things that you're going through, you've been praying, and God hasn't been answering. Maybe you've cried out to God and and pleaded with him to to move in this certain situation or or circumstance and you've heard nothing. Can can I give you three things to remember during this time? The first one is this, that God is present with you. God is with you. He's present with you. God is there. The second thing is this, is that God hears you? I know with my kids, with my youngest in in particular, uh, there, there's something that, that that's funny. She still does this. She's almost 19, and she'll be talking, and I'll be doing something else, and I'm listening to her. But but she'll stop in the middle, and and I say, "Honey, I'm 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 listening," and and she asks me a few questions just to be sure. But I I know what she wants. She doesn't want me to listen to her in the 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 middle of everything else that I'm doing she wants me to hear her when she was little she did this cute thing she would grab my face and turn it to her and say daddy 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 pay attention to me <laughs> we do that with our god don't we with our heavenly father sometimes we're praying and and we know that god sustains everything by the might of his hand and And we're praying and praying and we don't hear anything and he's not acting on our prayers. Um, I think it's okay for us, uh, the Bible word for daddy is Abba, is to say, Abba, Abba, do, do you hear me? I want to assure you that he does. He doesn't get distracted. He doesn't get overwhelmed. You pray he hears you. His timing is really what we struggle with on when he will act. So he's present with you. He hears you. And the third thing is this, is that he gives his grace to you. Always. Let me put it in another way for you. You have God's presence. If you're a believer, you have his presence with you. That's something that he promised. Jesus reiterated that that for us in Matthew 28. Not only do you have his presence, but you have his attention. I, I can't imagine that. You have the creator of everything that is, you have his attention. Even though we feel like we need to put our hands on his face figuratively and say, Daddy, Daddy, pay attention to me, you already have his attention. You do. And finally, you have God's grace. As I was praying uh, about this message and we, we look into really, uh, I, I, I skipped ahead a little bit, but you know this is John the Baptist or John the Baptizer uh, that, that is the forerunner for Christ. We'll get into that this next week. But, but as I was praying about this and, and thinking about God speaking out of the silence to the, to the world, the nation of Israel and to Zechariah and to Elizabeth, that God speaks out of the silence to us. And sometimes we just need to be reminded of that. Let me read for you Hebrews chapter 14. I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. It says, Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed then through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Since that, since we have that, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So because of that, because that's the high priest we have, verse 16 says this, Let us then hold, uh, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's my encouragement to you this morning. Because we know that our high priest has been tempted in every way like we. He knows what it's like to feel abandoned. He knows what it's like uh, to to be left alone. He knows what it's like actually to to feel that separation from God. He said that on the cross when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He knows what that is like. He knows what it's like to face something. For him it was the cross that is huge, seemingly for us insurmountable because that's the high priest we have. Let me encourage you this week. Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. Know that God's presence is with you. Know that we have his attention, that he hears us. And know that he's already given us his grace. So we can draw near to the throne of grace, knowing that God gives us grace and mercy in times of need. Pray with me. God, for those who are watching, for those who are are listening, for those who will be doing that later on in the week, I, I ask that you would make your presence known to them in a very special way. Lord, I ask that, that, God, you would move and work in their circumstances in a way that, that shows your, your might and your strength. God, I pray, Lord, that you will uh, let them know by your, your spirit that you hear them, that their prayers don't fall on deaf ears. And, and God, would you, would you give us grace I love in your word, it's called the manifest grace, is the way Paul refers to it, or Peter, the manifest grace that you give. And your multifaceted grace actually matches these various trials, these multifaceted trials that we encounter. Lord, would you give us your grace as we go through tough stuff, as we go through the quiet time in life? Would you speak to our hearts? Would you turn our hearts toward you?